Ladies and gentlemen, this is El Cochino, Tom Lawler, and I'd like to welcome you to the podcast that puts the lotion on its own skin, Lucha World. Bitchin'. Welcome everyone to Lucha World Podcast episode number 127. Fredo Esparza here. And this week we will be talking about some CMLL announcements from the past several weeks that I guess kind of surprised some people. Um, if you've been watching and following Lucha Libre for a long time, then you know you might have not been too surprised considering these were, I think you were mostly surprised that CML, CMLL even acknowledged it. Um, but you're more you're less surprised at the fact that this would eventually happen, um, but we'll be talking about some comings and goings in CMLL. Uh, we'll be talking about a new promotion starting in Mexico called Federación Wrestling. Um, that's the big promotion that, the new promotion that Rush has been talking about for several weeks, has, has been hinting to. Um, he's kind of been mentioning it on his social media and Whenever he's done interviews, he basically always brings up that that was that there was a big uh, project coming up. Well, this is the project; it has been revealed, and it has, and we have news on the lineups, the first, the debut show lineup, um, some of the surprise wrestlers that are coming in, and how that actually even led to one of the CMLL breakups, um, which um, we'll talk about as well. And we will also talk about AAA Ray de Reyes, a show that was held without any fans and was actually pretty entertaining for the most part early on a couple of good matches then later on it was more so built on surprises and a big reveal at the end of the show which made it even more um, interesting to um, look more into um, what is coming for triple a as far as triple mania is concerned or any shows that are coming up um, hopefully with fans by that point but still um, they were still without fans and the show still was was pretty good but there's such a big difference without fans that it kind of um, you still kind of notice I, I think it hurts Lucha Libre a lot more than other um, wrestling styles and really when it's multiple people involved in a match I think singles matches kind of you could get away with um, having no fans and they, they can kind of have a, a, a good match but once you add more and more wrestlers into a match it kind of um, without any fan involvement interaction they're really it kind of loses a little bit especially like with AAA that likes to do a lot of hardcore wrestling um, main events with Psycho Clown Pagano and 
and those guy type of guys it um you know it just looks like guys just moving around grabbing weapons and not really um they're not being any fans it's just that's basically what it looks like basically everything you you that you hear people criticize about that type of wrestling is kind of exposed when there are no fans and you see people just walking from one side to the other grabbing a chair or gra grabbing a table or and setting things up it looks even far worse because you don't have um you know usually when when they do these type of matches especially like with triple a um they will actually edit into um you know they'll cut away to the fans for a few seconds while the guys are grabbing chairs or something or a table and in this case they really couldn't so um, it makes it look a little weirder so hopefully at some point we'll have some fans but those are some of the big topics we will be talking about on this week's show um, but before we get to get that i want to talk about a little bit of um, news um, gotta send out some positive vibes and keep your prayers for uh, say some prayers for um, cassandro who recently underwent surgery um, this past friday for a brain embolism uh, they sent out a statement in both english and spanish uh, reporting that what had happened to Cassandro um, this past Friday. Um, he, they, they are saying that surgery went well, um, really hard for Cassandro considering he's, he's had several health issues. And, you know, if you've seen, I think he, I think if, if you've seen his documentary, you'll see that he actually has had other um, personal issues over the years that he's dealt with. And, you know, this is another one, um, but he always fights back, which is one of the good things about Cassandro. And hopefully this is just something that he'll have to fight, fight through and, um, he'll be able to recover. Um, so yeah, keep send send some positive vibes out to Cassandro. Also, um, in Mexico, Pasión Cristal and Jesse Ventura were verbally and physically abused by an Uber driver um, who didn't approve of their sexuality. As everyone knows, Pasión Cristal and Jesse Ventura are exóticos, and they're actually homosexual, um, openly gay. So I mean, obviously they weren't hiding anything. And for whatever reason, this Uber driver took offense to, to I mean, I guess you know, obviously being homophobic, he, he was he wasn't pleased he he wasn't pleased to drive them. I, I have no idea. You know, you would think, you know, twenty twenty one, you know, being an Uber driver, that's part of the job. You're gonna drive, you know, a variety of people, um, not just, you know, you can't pick and choose who you're gonna give a ride to. You're gonna going to be different ethnicities um different religions political views sexual preferences and for whatever reason this guy got offended over um passion cristal and jesse ventura getting in his um car um jesse ventura the exotico streamed part of the incident on her facebook account she later also mentioned that the police got involved and said uh and sided with the uber driver and now uh, Pasión Cristal and Jesse Ventura are trying to get the um, Uber to drop the charges against them and direct them towards the driver. Um, you know, Ventura even mentioned that um, they they had um, some they had some of the their money. Actually, I think they had all their money stolen um, and a few other things. He was she was able to get her um, her her phone back, so it wasn't nearly um, a complete loss for them, but it was still um, a very scary incident. Um, they not only the the whole fight with the uber driver but also the fact that the police sided with him jesse ventura even posted pictures of the the beat the the marks the bruises that that she suffered from the from the altercation with the uber driver uh, on her facebook page you could see them on there uh, 
it's scary incident. I'm very unfortunate that this this happened, and um, it's 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 sad that there's still a lot of this still existing in the world. Jesse Ventura talked about how it's not just the 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 physical part that hurt 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 her, but also the mental side of things where she said she was very emotional and and felt like you know felt like a little you know felt very um sad about what happened and it it you could tell from what 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 she wrote and oh, of course being being a luchadora an exotico um a wrestler much like if you followed el dandy um jesse ventura also follows the rule of typing everything in all caps uh, which you know it, i could understand just because you know the the Maybe maybe unlike El Dandy, Jesse Ventura had a reason to type in all caps because um, she was writing about an incident that was very serious. And um, fortunately, they came out of this um, alive, at, I mean, most importantly, because um, it could have been a far worse incident. And hopefully they can get this resolved because it's, I don't think it's right what happened. Um, hopefully Uber does um, side with them and decide to um, fire this or actually terminate the 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 partnership with the uber driver that um because obviously they're independent contractors so really it's more of just i guess firing them i mean i don't know how you would how that works and we've seen this a lot like i've seen a lot of um you know not just uber drivers where this happens with the uber driver being the being the person causing the incident usually sometimes it's the passengers leading to causing the incident so i don't know i mean it's kind of weird i've been I've been fortunate. The times I've used Uber or Lyft, I've I've picked pretty. They've sent me some pretty decent drivers, um, people that are I can at least um, I know I'm not too worried about like dealing with them. Uh, but you never know. I mean, like I said, uh, Jesse Ventura posted the picture of the Uber driver also, so um, that's probably why I also kind of think maybe they shouldn't have gotten in the car. Um, the guy kind of looks shady, uh, but hopefully. Um, this is just a one-time incident that happened for Passion Cristal and Jesse Ventura, especially if they're going to continue to use Uber or um, um, any type of ride-sharing uh, option, because you know it's 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 pretty scary that this happened to them. Very unfortunate. So we should talk about CMLL, which had a pretty um, crazy couple of weeks uh, with a lot of statements and a lot of um, a few departures and some news. For whatever reason, CMLL. Uh, I think the last podcast I did was the was talking about the CMLL show, um, the Copa Junior VIP show, uh, where Bandito and Bolazar Junior had that um, that amazing match on that show, and you kind of thought that was a really good way to like end in a high note that event, and then you were kind of hoping that because I I mean even Bandito after the show kind of said that he was looking forward to wrestling other um, people in CMLL. Um, he was kind of excited about that, and people were really, I mean, just off of that, watching that match, um, you just thought of the possibilities of Bandito versus, ne- you know, Nero Casas, Titan, um, you know, again, Ultimo Guerrero in some capacity, maybe as a tag team, Carvernario when he would, when he eventually returned full-time. Uh, the possibilities, I mean, it's not as endless as other places, um, like what you could get on the independence, but, you know, there was at least some options, Caristico, another one. Um, but it's like, for whatever reason, uh, anything that's good in Lucha Libre always seems to come to an end. And unfortunately, so CMLL announces that they and El Bandido had mutually agreed to part ways on April 9th. The belief was that CMLL's issue with El Bandido was the wrestling show that was going to be taking part in 
his El Bandito Gym grand opening on April 17th, which would include AAA wrestlers including Psycho Clown and El Tejano Jr., and that it would be streaming on El Tejano Jr.'s YouTube channel. CMLL requested that he change the card and replace AAA talent with CMLL talent, which Bandito refused to do, so they sent out this, this statement um, about them parting ways. Uh, Bandito was later um, interviewed by Mas Lucha, and he said that there was a verbal agreement to work dates for CMLL and that they had actually talked about the possibility of a contract, but they never got around to doing that. Um, he also said he was open to returning to CMLL if asked. Um, for the most part, on Bandito's side of things, um, he kind of made it, you know, he kind of shrugged it off and he kind of talked about how he, there was a, he had a feeling that that match with Volador Jr. was going to be the last match he would have in CMLL. But he might, he, I don't think he was hinting at the fact that um, CMLL was going to have a throw a fit over him um, a, working with AAA guys. I think it was more of the fact that he, for the most part, someone like El Bandito, um, the Lucha Brothers, Flamita, Ray Horace, you know, the list of guys, Roosh, Dragon Lee, um, guys that are pretty much looking to become big superstars in, in pro wrestling, uh, they're pretty much not going to stick around for very long in CMLL um, unless that's kind of like they established themselves like Ultimo Guerrero or Volador Jr. where they're pretty much, you know, the main guy in the promotion. Uh, and even then, they're still looking out, you know, beyond CMLL. Um, Roosh was already working with Ring of Honor. So, you know, Dragon Lee, the same with New Japan, then a Ring of Honor. So for the most part, you know, if you're kind of looking at being more of an international star, you're not really thinking of CMLL being a full-time um, promotion you're going to be there at as a part of um, you might actually be it might be your like your second home but it's not going to be the the only place you're going to be wrestling at and one of the problems with cmll is that if you're going to view them as one of the main places you're going to be a part of they're not going to want you to work with certain wrestlers or in certain places so then that leads to this issue where you know bandito had you know was opening a, a gym and he had talent from AAA working the show. And it's not fair for him that CMLL feels that they have to force him to do something that it that he doesn't have to because he's an independent wrestler. You know, it's not like they have to, they own him. It's not like it's it's not Ultimo Guerrero or Virus or Starman or or you know Volador Jr. opening up a gym, Ray Bucanero, you know, and and, and bringing in AAA guys where they could tell them, no, you can't have those guys there, because that makes sense. Those guys are there full, almost, you know, weekly on a weekly basis, and are CMLL guys. Where well, Bandito isn't. Um, if Bandito was under contract or had a deal with them, then I could understand that. But he didn't have that, so it kind of seemed like a silly thing. Um, you know, in many ways, the the release of the statement was CMLL kind of trying to make themselves look at trying to win over, um, you know, the credibility. You know, the fans um, thinking of who was wrong in this partnership and but you know by now for the most part all fans know how cmll works if you don't know then you're probably not too familiar with how they work because if you look at what everything was posted you know the comments and all that they all knew that if this was more cmll kind of trying to enforce the rules on a guy that they really shouldn't be enforcing the rules on um, so it was really a silly situation um, and you know i think for the most part i think everybody thought 
this was going to be the big story. Uh, but no, it ended up being something even worse. And maybe it might have been something that was kind of um, uh, was kind of telling us what was going to happen in a few weeks. Because a few weeks later, on April 27th, CMLL sent out a statement announcing that their alliance with Ring of Honor had come to an end. They thanked ROH for their partnership that went back to 2016. From what I've heard, Ring of Honor was surprised and their first knowledge of this might have been from that um, press release that was tweeted out and posted on on CML social media talking about this being the end of a, a, their partnership with Ring of Honor. I mean, honestly, it's not that big of a surprise if you're if you're thinking this was going to be something that lasted a long time, because the fact that CML has had a long relationship with New Japan Pro Wrestling, they've had really really short relationships for the most part with promotions outside of New Japan, and I would say the only other promotion that they had a, a long lasting relationship with was the NWA back from you know from when they first started all the way up to the early 90s, I would say, um, probably 92 or so, when when they kind of were um, starting to create their own championships from 90 to 92, um, because at that point in time, the NWA was changing very much. And, you know, that's really been the one promotion that they actually had a very good alliance. And for the most part with the NWA, the... The, what what they benefited out of that alliance was the fact that they got so many of the 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 lighter weight class um, championships. You know the the welterweight, the middleweight, um, the I think the light heavyweight. I'm trying to think what else. There, what other titles are? Um, they have so many titles, but the, it, basically the NWA um, championships they got out of that. That's really what they got out of that the most, because really they weren't getting a lot of um, NWA guys working on a on a regular basis in 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 CMLL. Most of the, the the foreign talent that would go to CMLL or EMLL was usually that were there for an extended period of time. Were usually guys that would just go there because that was an option, like. You know, Fabuloso Blondie, who was a, a, a guy who went there. Um, but you didn't get like Ric Flair or guys who were like legitimate full-time NWA guys that were sent in by the NWA. Um, I'm sure they sent a few. I mean, they did send a several. Like Harley Race worked um, EMLL shows and there's been other guys. But it wasn't like a, a continual thing. It wasn't like something where you were getting every year um, a constant stream of, of NWA. Like it wasn't like... Like if you were going back to like 1986, you weren't getting like Ric Flair, the Colos, Road Warriors, Rock and Roll Express, Midnight Express, Arn Anderson, Tully Blanchard, wrestling in Arena, Mexico. That's pretty much what I'm trying to explain. There wasn't this, there wasn't this ongoing um, group of wrestlers that was constantly going. Um, kind of like you know, with New Japan, they were getting like they would get you know the guys who were going in on excursions to 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 learn to learn lucha libre in Mexico. So they would get maybe one or two guys doing that, but then they would also get a handful of guys, like one or two that would go from New Japan to work there um, within the past 20 years. If you look back at CMLL's past partnerships um, with U.S. promotions, they pretty much ended very quickly. Um, the most recent ones, obviously, with TNA or Impact. Um, they, I think they might have dealt with them twice, and those ended very, very briefly, I but they did. I, I kind of think they got a, lo- a little bit more out of those, just be- despite being very short. Um, they 
were able to get the Grand Prix, one of the more um, memorable Grand Prix, um, as they got a lot of foreign talent that um, that that really made that a memorable match for CMLL, and also the CMLL guys went to an Impact show. So um, the fact that they were able to, a couple of shows actually, and they actually did that, it was pretty, um, uh, the fact that they were there kind of makes it a little bit more um, memorable. Um, there was also the, the time that they tried to work with WCW and WWE um, at the same time while those two promotions are having um, their Monday Night Wars. Uh, think about this. The fact that CMLL and AAA have had an ongoing and it's not really, I, I don't know if it's necessarily a war. It's more of just like, you know, AAA kind of trying to poke at CMLL and CMLL kind of ignoring them. And really the war is more about, you know, where the wrestlers are, where they can and can't wrestle since they can't wrestle with any um, wrestlers from AAA. So it's more about that than anything about them, like TV ratings or, you know, or who's doing better in business. It's very different. Even the, their own business models are very different. Um, both having some very difficult decision um, situations right now um, with AAA and their their the lawsuit and with CML on the pandemic and you know the fact that there's they're making these um, decisions during a time when they probably don't even need to do these um, because I don't think you really need to do a, a a a breakup of an alliance with a promotion at a time when you really aren't booking their talent from those um, promotions so for the most part it kind of seems silly to do that. But um, during that the the Monday Night Wars um, with WCW and WWE, basically Bischoff was looking to get some. He kind of wanted somebody to keep an eye out on all the lucha the guys who worked in Mexico, the luchadors, and um, kind of went to um, CMLL Paco Alonso. And at the same time, WWE was looking for talent to start Super Astros and do all this kind of like they needed that talent for that promote for the for that new tv series that was going to air and so they were able to get some cmll talent while at the same time wcw guys luchadors were showing up on cmll shows so for about a month you were getting at least a bit of the the, the wcw wwe war um in mexico because you had it wasn't that too many guys, but you basically had like the the Vianos, um, Hector Garza, I think was part of that. Uh, Silver King, I think, was also involved. And then from the from the WWE WWF side, you had the guys who had they just signed like Felino, Nero Casas, El Hijo del Santo. Um, there were a few other guys. I think Tarzan. I can't. I think Tarzan Boy wasn't there yet. Um, actually, I think that was around the time he was going in. Um, but there were a few other guys. I know Tarzan Boy and Azoro were about to join the, the the CMLL roster. And so you kind of had this interesting mix of of, 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 sh- of who was working with who. And um, it kind of, while not a big deal in, in I don't think it was as big a deal in, in Mexico. It was, it was a far bigger deal for those of us watching and realizing that, hey, they're using guys who are um, signed with WCW. And they're also using guys that have just recently started um, being rumored to be joining WWF or Super Astros, so that was kind of like, and then that quickly fall, fell apart. I think it maybe maybe lasted a month or two with um, WCW pulling out their guys. 
um, and then W um, WWE kind of like as Super Astros went along um, a few months later, they kind of went from it being a lot of luchadors to um, it kind of being guys that they actually signed, like Mr. Aguila as Papi Chulo and um, Los Boricuas and a, a lighter roster of guys that I think some of them weren't even any longer with CMLL by the point that um, by the tail end of Super Astros. But so they've had a really weird history with um, the promotions they have dealt with. And really outside of that, they've not they've really kind of kept out of um, working with promotions directly. They have brought in um, American guys, wrestlers that were wrestle in America that are names in America to work CMLL shows. But usually it was through, um, you know, through somebody that, you know, a friend of a friend that, you know, knew this guy and they would come in. Um, when Conan was there, he was kind of like the one that brought in. Uh, I think he was the one that brought in um, Norman Smiley and Love Machine Art Bar. And then, you know, obviously later on, other guys would bring in their guys that they knew from, you know, from their travels to Japan or even the United States. So that's how that would work. But um, for the most part, they really kind of steered clear from working with promotions other than um, their long alliance with New Japan of the, you know, during the 2000s. And I would say before that, they did work for a bit with all Japan pro wrestling in the in the early 80s. Uh, that's why you get like La Fiera and Pirata Morgan and a couple of other guys that were EMLL affiliated working um, all Japan shows in the early 80s. The, obviously being two of the main, two of the, two of the luchadors that actually got to wrestle um, the, the Tiger Mask version that was, you know, done by Mitsuharu Misawa. Uh, but yeah, for the most part, CMLL, doesn't play too well with other promotions because of the way they think and also because they're very frugal with how much they're going to pay talent. As far as the relate the partnership with 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 Ring of Honor, I think we kind of a lot of fans kind of never really got the full impact of it just because we never really saw much of it and really with Ring of on Ring of Honor side of things, they found a way to get luchadors without really having to deal with CMLL uh, for them well, you know, obviously they they were able to talk Rush into joining them and Dragon Lee later on. Um, but, you know, they were they had already brought in Bandito, who was, by that point, better than 95% of CML's roster. And, you know, at this point in time, he is way better than almost everybody on CML's roster. And then they brought in Flamita, Ray Horace, obviously Los Ingobernables, Dragon Lee. So they've been able to cover, you know, they their luch their the amount of luchadors that they could probably want to focus on and even if they don't even if they had stayed with cmll i don't think they would have like focused on those guys as much then you would have also had the issue that eventually would happen that cmll wouldn't have wanted their guys working against roosh and dragon lee or bestia the ring because those were guys that they kind of saw as, you know, guys that were no longer part of the promotion. They probably would have been fine with them working with Bandito or Flamita or Ray Horace, but those three were kind of like guys that they didn't want their talent to work with. So you would have had issues over that. Um, and, you know, really, honestly, the guys at CML would usually send, it was kind of like a, a, a mix of good and bad for Ring of Honor. Uh, the good was obviously you get Ultimo Guerrero and, you know, Volador Jr. or somebody like that that could actually work with some of the the better names. But then you and but then you also had a lot of guys that were either inexperienced working with some of the 
Ring of Honor guys, and also some guys that were just not really that well uh, prepared um, to work uh, for an American wrestling promotion. On CMLL side, it really hurts their roster because you know that was something that they kind of looked at. They could work independent shows in the in the U.S., but it's very different from working independent shows to working Ring of Honor. Um, that kind of was an established promotion that had a history behind it. So I think that's kind of like something that bums them out. And I think with CML, for, for Ring of Honor, the one thing you do lose is that you don't get to say, hey, we work with the oldest promotion in Mexico, CMLL. But, you know, honestly, you could get so much more out of, um, instead of doing that, you have the option of possibly bringing in um, other independent talent like Ares, Aramis, um, Taurus, um, who knows? Obviously, Taurus is with Impact, but you know, guys that would always be available um, because they're independent. Hijo de Canis Lupus, Dragon Bane. Um, there's so much talent on the independent scene that I think it actually benefits you a little bit more to do that. It's just a matter of being able to like find them. Um, it also, I think, it also hurts Ring of Honor um, talent only because they can't say that. You know, there's that one thing where. Um, for the most part, most wrestlers, they kind of like want to say, hey, I got to wrestle in Madison Square Garden. I got to wrestle in the Tokyo Dome and I got to wrestle in Arena, Mexico. And now they lose that. Um, they get to not work that the, the CMLL buildings, which is kind of unfortunate for them. But, you know, on the CMLL end, they weren't really bringing in a lot of Ring of Honor talent. They were basically mostly focusing on Matt Taven and any other talent was usually brought in just to work um the Grand Prix or for about a week or two week period, uh, they really, I think the one guy that they were going to bring in um, before everything, everything got canceled before the pen with the pandemic was um, Flip Gordon. CML could always just bring in independent talent, um, which is pretty much what both promotions will end up doing. Um, the, the bad thing is I, I don't think CMLL's uh, programming department has the level of um, vision when it comes to bringing what they would bring in as independent talent. And also they probably would bring in guys and it will only be a short, short term um, deal. So I don't think it would be something, it won't be anybody that they're going to um, get long term. So that would probably end up depending on guys contacting them or going through somebody that they know that's already within CMLL. So um, it's not going to be as, as easy for them as it is for ring of honor, uh, when it comes to bringing in independent talent, because I think Ring of Honor, um, their advantage is that there's a lot of talent in Mexico, and there's even if they don't scout that talent, there's enough people that can tell you, hey, this guy's good, this guy's not good, and they can bring them in. Whereas with CMLL, they're not going to really look into like who they could contact to um, recommend people. It's really going to come from the wrestlers themselves, and for the most part, when it comes to um, um, the CMLL guys, they can be all over the place when it comes to um, recommending talent. Um, how the heck do they end up with Dark Magic on that roster when even the guys on the roster have said that he's not very good? Uh, but, you know, he's there. And I'm sure that's how it's going to just continue on where, you know, we're going to get that weird mix of some guys that are pretty good and some guys that aren't very good. Uh, we've seen this. That's been their track record. Um, hopefully, um, it's not... And, you know, the one good thing is that right now we're not going to get that too much because of the pandemic. They're they're not going to be bringing in foreign talent at this moment. So they're going to be focusing more on uh, probably bringing in, elevating um, new 
talent within the promotion, which we'll also talk about later on. But um, that's pretty much what they're they're probably going to focus on as this pandemic goes on. But it's unfortunate, you know, that deal dies, the El Bandito um, situation ends, and really the the even before the news of CML ending their alliance with Ring of Honor, um, there was more news of a new promotion that Rush had been hinting about for the past several weeks. Um, sometime in mid-April, Rush announced the promotion would be known as Federación Wrestling and revealed a few names working the show, include the first show that they would be um, doing, which included Bestia del Ring, Dragon Lee, the Lucha Brothers, and El Bandido. Rush also hinted to Andrade coming in and that the show would be a, PPV, a pay-per-view in June. They later mentioned Matt Taven from Ring of Honor, which that seemed to be the catalyst to CMLL ending the relationship with Ring of Honor. Um, that kind of cracked me up that um, that's what broke the camel's back. Uh, Matt Taven working Ring of Honor, uh, working Federación Wrestling, which, you know, is understandable. He probably, if this was, if they really wanted to keep that relationship with um, CMLL together, then Taven probably should have said no to work in that show and Ring of Honor probably should have said no as well but I don't think they understand the politics and the situation in, in Mexico and you know the way CMLL things were I mean for the most part everybody uh, in Lucha kind of knows that that's kind of something that's going to happen so that was then le- that then led to Federación Wrestling announcing their June 19th debut show um, during a video hosted by Mas Lucha with some reporters in Mexico um, thinking they were doing a press conference via a Zoom call, which turned into them t- to watching the same video everyone else could watch. They gave out info on some of the first show lineup. Um, they had some vin- vin- vignettes and introduced the boss of the promotion, La Patrona, Damiana Vicenzo. The big reveal came at the end with Andrade. So basically, um, all these reporters were invited to a Zoom call and they thought this was going to be a press conference. They were going to do, um, you know, get to ask questions and none of that happened. They later found out that they were pretty much just watching the same YouTube video that everybody else was watching. And so they sat through that. Um, for the mo- um, the highlight was really that some of the videos had no audio. Um, the, the Some of the skits on there Basically, were guys, people getting envelopes, inviting them to work Federación Wrestling. Um, I think they're trying to be like a Lucha Underground type of promotion uh, where they're going to have skits in the promo- on the shows. Maybe not, I shouldn't really say Lucha Underground, but maybe an Americanized wrestling promotion, having skits, um, doing angles and stuff like that. You know, AAA does that as well, but um, this kind of seemed a little more uh, like they were trying to do you know, Lucha Underground type of thing. Uh, they did announce the lineup. Uh, they did not announce the location, but the show will be held on June 19th. And um, they announced some of the matches. The opening match is Briante Jr. and Futuro versus Barabas and Shaco. Um, Shaco is a Chilean wrestler. Um, he's been wrestling in Mexico. He started wrestling, I think, this past week. And so he's going to be there for a while. Briante Jr., is a relative of Andrade. So that pretty much hinted to the fact that Andrade would probably be working this show. Um, then they announced the second match would be a three-way match between Ray Horace 
versus Flamita versus a Luchador Sorpresa. Um, the third match would be a women's match, which was would be Ayako Hamada, Tay Conti, and another Luchador Sorpresa versus Miranda Alice, Red Velvet, and Zuxis. Good to see Zuxis getting an opportunity in this promotion. She pretty much has been independent. Uh, she, I think, the initial plan when Sofia Alonso was part of. Um, was still in charge briefly for CMLL was that Zuxis was going to return and be part of that whole uh, women's celebration because they were going to do some stuff. I think they did um, a, a Grand Prix with the women. So they were going to do something with um, and they were probably going to bring her back. And unfortunately, when that was changed, um, the new, the Luteroth, you know, Chavo and Chavo the second and the third, they're not, they're not very, they weren't very keen on bringing back somebody who had just, who left. So she never came back. So, um, at least she's going to be a part of this group. Um, should be interesting what she does there. Um, the fourth match announced with the Copa Federación Wrestling. Um, yes, they're starting their first show with a Copa, a battle, a twenty-person battle royal, uh, which makes no sense. Why you do a Copa in the first show? And all twenty uh, in the battle royal were not mentioned. They were all. They would all be announced leading up to the um, show. So we do not know who they are. It, I would, I don't know. I mean, I'm hoping this is something that they, this is probably where you, the first match where you realize that they made a mistake. Um, actually, the first mistake was when you start seeing all the, all the foreign talent that they were bringing in. And even within the, the third match with the women, you already had like Tay Conti um, and Red Velvet on there. So you already knew they were already going to start spending some money. The fifth match announced was El Bandito and Dragon Lee versus the Lucha Brothers, Phoenix and Pentacero M. And the main event would be an, eight, uh, an Atomicos match, Andrade, La Bestia del Ring, and Rouge with a, another Luchador Sorpresa versus Matt Taven, PJ Black, and two more Luchador Sorpresas. Um, I would assume La Mascara would probably be the fourth guy on the Rouge side, and the other side would probably... I'm, I'm going to take a guess that it's... It might be... I don't know. I mean... I, I would think it might be Diamante Azul and somebody else. But as soon as they were announcing this new promotion, there were a lot of rumors that Diamante Azul was, um, was on his way out from CMLL. Um, he kind of like kind of um, killed it for about one day when he said he was going to be working in Guadalajara for a CMLL show on a Friday. And that I don't know if that happened, but um, I'm sure he probably did show up just to keep that a little bit um, in the... In the down low, um, but he was already rumored as a guy that's going to be going to Federación Wrestling, which makes sense because um, Diamante Azul is close with Rush and 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 the rest of that group of guys um, and La Mascara and all that. So um, that should be, you know, but you see all the people that they're already like this show already looks like it's going to be a very expensive show. Just the fact that they're bringing in Matt Taven, uh, PJ Black. Andrade is going to cost some money, um, unless he's doing that. Doing Rusha solid here, um, Tay Conti, Red Velvet, you know, a pretty expensive um, first show, and then you have twenty uh, person battle royal. So you're basically paying a lot of people for a show that you might. Well, I mean, the one good thing is that you know they did announce that um, some play there there's going to be a limited amount of fans allowed into venues, um, larger venues in Mexico. So. That's kind of a positive for for this show. Hopefully, they're able to have some fans, and you know, people will buy tickets. Uh, 
They will also be honoring Grand Hamada on the show, which I think is really cool and well-deserved. Um, the debut show will be available on pay-per-view for $20 uh, with cryptocurrency, PayPal, or direct deposit as payment options. Uh, $20 is way, way higher than what we normally pay for um, Lucha pay-per-views. I'm trying to think. I think, I mean, I think the the Viva La Lucha shows were that about that price. But those were um, America shows airing in on, on American, you know, pay-per-view, you know, via s- cable and satellite. So that kind of is understandable. But as far as st- being streamed on iPay-per-view, I don't think we've, I think the, the highest I think we've gone to is maybe 15 bucks. Um, we might have gotten to 20 bucks for like an anniversary or a, a triple mania. Um, but for the most part, they're usually about nine to 15 bucks so it's kind of it's kind of interesting that they chose that as the as the cost 20 bucks already kind of steep for a lot of fans um if they the they actually had somebody make the web the web page and for the most part when you're gonna order the pay-per-view all the information on payment option is on is information on cryptocurrency so that immediately i'm pretty sure is going to scare off a lot of people if you click along through it and get to the the checkout point then you'll see the other options include paypal and um a a direct deposit i think that's most more so for uh, mexico but um but the the cubs fan found the the email that it that was pertaining to that um that that service and it really like i don't know if you if if you're if you're if the cryptocurrency stuff didn't scare you off, the email probably will. So I don't know. Maybe they're going to have to. They probably should have done a better job of planning this stuff out. Um, something that I don't think they really did. So we we get the Federación Wrestling press conference or video um, in informing us of their show and who's going to be on on the first show and who's involved. Um, we get the, the Andrade video without any audio and... Of course, the the infor- the additional information about the pay per view, the price, and all this other stuff that's going on on a Friday, the following night day Saturday, AAA has their show, which is Rey de Reyes. Their I think this is their first actual live show that they held. Um, everything prior to that were um, tapings, and they held a couple of them. Um, ever since they started allowing, I think there was a period where there wasn't anything going on from about December all the way through February. I think early March was really when they started doing um, TV tapings again. And what they usually do was they they would do it like over a weekend and then that would cover um, enough of their TV show. um, For their TV shows, they would have enough of that content for their TV shows. So they announced, I think it was... A few weeks back, where they announced that they would have hold Ray the Reyes, and it would be without any fans. And again, it was held in San Pedro Cholula, Puebla. Um, they gave out the whole complete lineup earlier in the week. I think it might have been like the day or two before um, the whole um, Federación Wrestling press conference. So they had a lot of um, on their lineup. They had a lot of surprises listed on there, um, but for the most part, it was a five match card. Um, it looked pretty good um, without even knowing who were going to be the surprises on the show. And I thought Ray de Reyes ended up being a pretty good entertaining show. If you did not watch it, I think they're, I think um, Kana Space, their YouTube channel might actually put it up. 
Um, not 100% sure because, again, we can't really see this. We can't really see AAA outside of Mexico because um, of the whole lawsuit that's going on, which has really made it very difficult to, um, you know, really watch. I don't know. I don't think it's made it too difficult. It's more that you have to go out of your way to look for it and hope that the the people that are streaming it for through either through Twitch or some other service that you're able to get gain access to it and there's no um, issues with the feed but it would be so much easier if it was actually being com coming in um, through AAA and their YouTube channel where at least you had the option of maybe watching it live and or maybe later on you know maybe watching it you know once it either they air it on their TV show and they post it on YouTube or in some other um, form their old Twitch channel which um, they took down and then switched over to Facebook live um, even that would have been fine but now basically this time around for Ray de Reyes we all had to search for a Twitch um, streaming um, somebody streaming via Twitch and fortunately somebody did um, stream it it most it only aired on Canal Space in Mexico and Fortunately, the Cubs fan had the link to that and was able to share it with everyone. And I thought this was a, an entertaining show. Of course, you're not going to complain about it, first of all, because it's free. Um, only way I would have complained about it is if it was like a, a uh, you know, it would have been a horrible show that dragged on and on. But this show, basically, I think it started around 5 Pacific time and lasted until 7.30 Pacific. So about two and a half hours and really probably could have gone a little bit um, less because obviously they aired commercials it airing on a on a tv network they had commercials so if they got rid of the commercials and really some of the talking portions they probably would have been able to pull this off felt more like a two-hour show and unfortunately even that may have hurt one of the matches where you kind of really were hoping for a little bit more um, time for the Rey de Reyes match because for the most part a lot of guys were eliminated early and um, you didn't really get the the full feel of what they could have done on that on that show. Um, at the same time, um, Ray, Ray the Reyes has really, really um, their rules for that match aren't very um, conducive to guys who are primarily they're known for high flying wrestling, and um, it doesn't help when you're basically limiting. The rule is throwing guys over the top rope when half like 90% of the guys in the match, what they do well is actually jump off the top rope. Makes no sense to me. Um, but I thought this was a good show. It had two good matches to start off the show. And then really the rest of the show was more about surprises. Um, I thought the third match was also pretty... Um, actually, the second match. The first two matches were good. The second match also had a surprise. But um, also the Ray the Reyes match I thought was pretty good. But for the most part, once you got past the first two matches, it was really more built around surprises and um, you know more storyline driven than anything else and then the show ended with a big surprise to close it out so um, that was something um, worth just worth watching the show overall and the opener featured Latigo beating Dinastia, Aramis, Ares and Toxin to become the number one contender to the AAA World Cruiserweight title uh, which is held by Loretto Kid. and I thought this was a really good match uh, very very much fit what you would expect from a triple a opener only these guys are pretty much a little bit more of an established group of um, names already at this point and aramis and aris are just sensational workers um, they really were the two that shined the most in this match 
and they, they you could really tell they're ahead of everyone at this point in time where um, they're the next big stars as far as Lucha Libre goes as um, guys who are going to be traveling outside of Mexico and making a name of for themselves internationally Latigo is starting to join that group as well um, but I thought this was a really fun opening match and really something that um, I highly recommend people watching. The second match, well, actually after the match, um, Loretto Kid came out to congratulate Latigo and offered to shake his hand, but Latigo, Latigo refused. And I thought that was, um, you know, a fun build up to their eventual matchup. And Latigo is somebody that's really, um, in, within the last two years, has really, really um, shown that he's going to um, be something in Lucha Libre and um, I think he's somebody that's probably going to be the next group of guys that gets to work outside of Mexico um, definitely somebody that should get some um, international bookings the second match had Taurus beating Octagon Jr. and Viano Tercero Jr. to win the AAA Latin American title that title was vacated earlier in the week by Daga um, because he obviously couldn't travel he was unable to travel for the show to I think he's already residing in the United States, so he wasn't able to travel to Mexico. Um, to be fair, also there were a lot of guys who traveled to Mexico, so I think it was more he just probably decided that he didn't really, it wasn't in his, on his schedule to go to this show. But, you know, I thought this was a good match as well. Um, Viano Tercero Jr. making his return after leaving AAA several months ago, although when he left, um, he had already said that he was open to returning as an independent wrestler. For the most part, a lot of the AAA guys that aren't, you know, full-time are pretty much deciding to go independent so they can actually work other places as well and not have, you know, have a little bit more freedom where they could work. And um, I think it's more so done so for um, being able to wrestle internationally. And Viano Tercero Jr., honestly, he left during a, a pandemic, which with very limited um, shows going on it kind of didn't feel like he had really left um, f- as far as I was concerned um, but I thought this was a good match um, Viano Tercero Jr. got hurt very early in the match got kicked in the head by Octagon Jr. and he basically um, was out for about a good portion of the match but then he came he made his way back into the match and he was taking some crazy bumps uh, for this match for a guy who got kicked in the head he was taking some crazy bumps at one point he almost hit one of the lights that's on the on the entrance and you know it, it was interesting to see his uh, his performance very talented wrestler uh so it was interesting to see him make his return and what he was doing afterwards octagon jr and taurus like i said carried most of the match and they were very good throughout um taurus is at a whole different level and really cool to see him win a title and get um, hopefully this means he's going to have a, a pretty good run with AAA. Um, he's already working in Impact, and he's going to he's getting a lot of international um, U.S. bookings as well. So um, he's he's somebody to keep an eye out on as far as how much bigger he's going to become, um, especially within just not just international but within AAA because he's got a lot of talent. Um, after that match is really when you kind of saw a bit of a decline in terms of the match quality and really saw more of a uh, focus on storylines and big surprises coming in. The third match was for the Reign of the Reinas title, which Fabi Apache won by beating Lady Shani, Flammer, Chica Tormenta, Lady Maravilla, and Sexy Star. A new Sexy Star. Um, the previous night, Sexy Star had actually the, the original Dulce Garcia was in a mixed martial arts match. 
Um, I think it was for Combates America. And I think she even lost. So when they announced Sexy Star, my initial reaction was, you know, wow, this is um, pretty impressive that she's making her way back from, 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 a, from a loss in MMA into pro wrestling the following night. Um, turned out it wasn't her. It was, in fact, a new sexy star being introduced by AAA. Um, for a brief period of time, um, I think the Cubs fan thought it was La Yedra, but it was within like a few minutes. Everybody quickly, um, a couple of people mentioned that it looked more like Hija de Catubela. And then those of us who kind of started looking, for me, it, I kind of spent more time looking at um, for pictures of Hija de Catubela to see if it was very similar. And yeah, the tattoo and the braces pretty much matched up very, um, were identical. So that's who it was, Hija de Catubela, um, debuting as, as Sexy Star. And then like the next day, um, the promotion, um, Chaos out of Monterey, congratulated her on her new um, role in in um, AAA. So that kind of pretty much sealed it. Um, really didn't do that much, honestly. So I wasn't really that um, impressed. But this match, I, I think... I focused so much more on trying to discover who Sexy Star was that it, it kind of took away from the match itself. And for the most part, it wasn't what I saw wasn't very, um, you know, anything that I missed out on. Um, they did bring in Diana Purazzo, the Impact Knockouts champion, for commentary. And then at the very end, once Fabia Apache won the Reina of the Reinas title, they had um, Purazzo challenge Fabia Apache to a a champion versus champion match at Triple Mania. Um, I said this on Lucha Talk, and I've said it like I think I even wrote about it on, on the on the on the post covering this. I don't think this is going to be the end of that um that match. I I can't. I would be shocked if Triple A did a, a, a singles match. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they tried to get the AEW champ women's champion on the show, make it a three way, or maybe even add more women into the match from AAA or Impact. Um, because, you know, that's AAA. It's possible they have a singles match, but for the most part, I would say it's 50-50 that it's this or it's something else. After that match, we got Loretto Kid winning the Rey de Reyes um, tr- sword. Um, he beat out Tejano Jr., Murder Clown, Aerostar, Drago, Abismo Negro Jr., Hijo del Vikingo, and Mysticis. I thought this was a good match really towards the end with Loretto Kid and Tejano Jr. I thought they did a really good um, singles match. But the Rey de Reyes uh, portion of the match kind of felt like it was a little rushed. And also, I'm not a big fan of the... Honestly, I think Rey de Reyes, they should actually change the rules to what they did for um, the Aztec Warfare where guys get eliminated via pin, pinfall. Or, you know, if they want to do countouts when guys do dives and can't get back in the ring, that's fine. But, I mean, when you're throwing in guys who are known for high-flying and doing um, innovative high spots and putting them in a match where the rule is you get eliminated by being thrown over the top rope, it makes no sense because, of course, you're always going to get that one person that gets eliminated because he jumps over the top, you know, does a dive, and that eliminates him. But um, I find that... To me, I'd rather it just they switched over to an Aztec Warfare type of rule for the Ray the Reyes match, um, especially if they're going to keep it as a kind of like a, a Royal Rumble type of rules. But, you know, again, with Loretto Kid winning Ray the Reyes, that kind of is starting to um, set up uh, him as the one of the, Kenny Omega's eventual challengers. Um, he was already pretty much on the short list of guys that was going to challenge Kenny Omega. 
Um, I'm, I was hoping that that would happen sooner, but um, that kind of might be something that changes and it might have to take um, Laurel Kid a little longer or who knows, maybe they might actually do it a little sooner uh, as a build up to the uh, Triple Mania type of match. Um, who knows? Um, but they definitely have to do Omega versus Loretto Kid since it's something that um, they, that's kind of like in the works. Uh, and, you know, obviously there's so many other guys you want to see um, Kenny Omega work against within AAA. Um, the main event, Pagano and Psycho Clown versus Chessman and Sam Adonis ended in a no decision. Here, the big surprise was Sam Adonis joining AAA. Um, kind of felt like this was AAA reaching out for 2017 or 2018 um, CMLL, like a big storyline because Adonis was pretty much a, a top heel in that promotion at that time. Um, and, you know, obviously that's what ends up coming happening because, you know, that that the, the post-match or the, the post-big storyline at the end or the storyline that came through this match was, you know, obviously Sam Adonis is a part of a new faction. But this match itself was pretty much um, just a, a brawl. Uh, weapons were used and really not a lot was going on. Um, like I said, this match without fans didn't really come across very well because it, it's just... You know, like I said, without fans, it's just a bunch of good wrestlers moving around, grabbing weapons or searching for weapons, and you know, it, it, it just didn't um, it just didn't come across very well. Um, but um, during the, the the match, there was a vehicle that showed up, and two mystery luchadors came to the ring, and at first attacked Pagano and Psycho Clown. The two then revealed themselves as Diamante Azul and Puma King, and then attacked Chessman. Um, that they then joined with Adonis and showed they were now a new group called La Empresa, which is basically another. Um, this was the name that C, um, CML was known for, or they're still known for because people still call it La Empresa. Um, but you know, obviously, that's in re reference to when they were known as EMLL. They've obviously in the past done El Consejo, which was covering CMLL, but now they're since they can't use El Consejo, they went to La Empresa. And that's the new big angle, another invasion angle with this time former CMLL wrestlers joining up to feud with AAA. Um, so Adonis, Puma King, and Diamantes are part of the group. Um, Puma King then um, did a, they gra grabbed the microphone and um, said they had a, they, they decided to ask that they show a video, which turned out to be Andrade. And Andrade, first he talked about how he wanted to wrestle psycho clown but immediately switched over to kenny o challenging kenny omega for the triple a world mega title at triple mania so in a weird way he kind of like lowered <laughs> psycho clown by demanding a match with kenny omega and um which you know i don't think he meant it in that way where um you know psycho clown was you know second it kind of just came across that way but i think his intentions were like to kind of match them both at the same level but um that's the big um that's that was the big finish the new faction la empresa pretty much it's kind of like what they did with el consejo only the biggest difference i think is um el consejo when they came in with tejano jr toscano and i think ray scorpion was with that group i don't know if he was there originally but he definitely was part of that group later on and then cemental was also in the group who's now black taurus it kind of came across more as a as like a group that kind of looked like they fit together, whereas this new group, Puma King, Diamante Azul, 
and Sam Adonis. I'm sure they'll add other guys. There are a lot of XCMLL guys on the independents. And, you know, we just talked about Federacion Wrestling having a lot of CMLL guys, former CMLL guys on their roster. So, you know, in a way, that's kind of going to be the group um, that they'll come up with. But um, honestly, if I can't really take the this group seriously just because you already have two other groups that best suit an XCMLL group invading AAA. Obviously, the first group would be Los Ingobernables, the main, the 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 leading, the 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 actually almost all of them are, are available. Like if they really wanted to do something and they wanted to reach out to Marco Corleone, he'd he'd still be available. But um, the original group with um, Andrade, Rouge, and La Mascara, they're all out there as independents. They would be like a, a far bigger deal than these guys. And then you also have Bestia the Ring, Dragon Lee. Um, like I said, Marco Corleone is also not in no longer in CMLL. Um, kind of retired. Um, who knows? Maybe he would be interested, willing to work with, um, come back for for a run with these guys. Um, Ray Scorpion's out there as well. Um, but then you also have the second group that I also think is more CMLL, XCMLL guy. Um, centric than than these guys and that's you know Tejano Jr. Rey Scorpion and 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 Taurus as Los Mercenarios so really I mean to me it just doesn't really make sense to do another group call La Empresa and then just have three other guys that are aren't really uh, I don't know like to me it, it it just it just adds more to the confusion you're you're kind of develop you're starting to turn it into like a an A team a B team and a C team pretty much like the NWO was um, even though these groups aren't affiliated with each other but if if tri- knowing triple a and conan's booking they usually tend to like form a super group once they introduce a smaller group for whatever reason and that ends up being a super group so then all of a sudden the 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 other groups end up kind of losing a little bit of um their luster so then the 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 one big group ends up being the one that everybody kind of like thinks of but i'm not a big fan of this um angle it's it's different though and it's something worth trying, but I'm not sure I'm really that into it. Um, it's, you know, it's a thing for the AAA to do. Um, I think it's. I think what's going to end up happening is that they're just going to, if they can't get the full Ingobernables guys to work full time or or come in and work shows, then they'll have a, at least a combination of guys that can come in and do that gimmick. And you know, honestly, for the most part, most of these guys, you know, aren't going to have to worry about there being any ramifications about CMLL banning them, just because for the most part, most of these guys are, are either a not coming back, or b are out of um, CMLL's price range as far as um, them returning. Like honestly, when Andrade left WWE, and they were talking about places he could go, and he kind of brought up CMLL. The odds of CMLL bringing him back from the very beginning is very slim. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if at some point he would come in and do some appearances and maybe down the road um, work a few sh- more shows with them. But and, you know, right now I kind of think that he's kind of focusing more on on being an international star and you know being in the restricted CMLL world. It would be almost impossible for him to work. You know these dream matches that he could work with, you know, with Kenny Omega and all these other guys, or be part of um, Rush's new um, <laughs> vanity project, I guess, because that's what that's what that Federacion Wrestling group kind of looks like. It looks like it's going to be a, a an Ingobernables inspired group more than anything else. 
And also, like I mentioned, Diamante Azul left CMLL. He's already appeared in AAA and IWRG. He actually was in the final of the Rey del Ring. Um, at, um, you know, him and um, Hijo de Canis Lupus were the finalists in that. And, you know, so Diamante Azul kind of just said that he was just looking for something different, something new. Um, didn't feel that he was getting much of an opportunity within CMLL. And honestly, I think, I think for the most part, um, he spent a lot of like the later years of his run with CMLL were usually him going on trips to France. Um, I think he was dating, he was in, in a relationship with a, a woman in France. So he was trying to get citizenship, dual citizenship in, you know, be in Mexico and in France. And, um, I think that along with the injuries he was dealing, I think he suffered a couple of injuries and then he, he also gained some weight. Um, he, you could kind of tell that he, the writing was on the wall that he wasn't long for the, for that promotion, especially when on um, Rush and, and company left. Um, once that group of guys left, um, that was really the group that he was closest to. Um, it kind of defeated the whole purpose of having him there. Um, I'm sure CMLL at some point will debut a new Diamante. So I made a joke. Um, they had retro on CML and Forma. And I, I made the comment, man, if they get that guy in the juice, they basically have another um, Diamante. Soul because uh, he pretty much sounds like him. And he even like, you know, when they were trying to come up with tag teams, he was kind of put with Diamante. Soul. And, you know, that that wouldn't be a, a surprise if they put um, if they did re-gimmick someone as Diamante. Soul. Um, Diamante Azul on the Independence has already changed his name where it's now DMT Azul um, which kind of gives you the hint of it being Diamante Azul um, pretty much he did what Ali Park did where he just took the you know La, Par- La Parca and just went LA and then Park um, I think at one point he actually had a, a hyphen and an A a capital A to make it LA Park A uh, but he switched it over to LA Park um, so Diamante Azul has left CMLL I will not miss him being in CMLL because honestly, I think he's, I think I, I can tolerate him more on the independent and triple A scene just because he's not going to be working the same trios matches that he was accustomed to in CMLL. And that kind of like just dragged a lot. Uh, I think that's the one positive, but at the same time, I'm not going to miss him because I thought he was a, a an asshole um, ever since he tossed um, Zacharias El Perico and he's done a few things during matches that kind of uh, when he would try to um, uh, work his own angle with the new Japan guys that, who had no idea what was going on um, during matches uh, that was always enlightening you know it, amusing um, so um, it's kind of like it's 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 you know one of those um, glad he's gone um, I, I hope CMLL doesn't fill his bot with somebody that's just as bad or worse but it's CMLL, you know that's going to happen. So um, I guess we're just going to have to deal with it. Uh, another person that left the promotion is Averno. Um, he left AAA and became an independent during that weekend of um, Rey de Reyes and everything that was going on. The the announcement of Federacion Wrestling, Averno uh, um, was scheduled to work a tag match where he teamed with Cibernetico versus Kanek and Caristico. I think it was Arena Lopez Mateos, and they were gonna they were gonna have a match, but. Averno was pulled from the match and they ended up um, b- replacing him with Mephisto. But Averno at the end showed up and attacked Caristico. And so after that, he kind of talked about how he was back to go after 
Caristico's mask, and he also talked about how he was willing to go back to CMLL to go if it meant getting Caristico. And they were already like teasing. There's already a teaser for um, the possibility of him going to um, appearing in Guadalajara against Caristico for the Arena Coliseo Guadalajara CMLL show. So um, that's already been rumored. And, you know, it'd be kind of cool if, you know, we lose Diamante Azul, but bring in Averno. Um, that's a that's a huge upgrade. Um, but at the same time, you already know there's also the risk that Averno would just be thrown into the same group he was in pre- previously with, you know, Mephisto, Efesto, um, and um, Luciferno as those hijos del infierno. But, you know, at least they could go back to being the hijos del Averno. And he's all, he was always really cool in CMLL. Um, so, you know, hopefully that does. I, I wouldn't mind seeing that happen, but. You know, Averno kind of falls into the group of guys that would be a perfect fit for this uh, Federacion Wrestling and also La Empresa. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if he did that as well. So, you know, at this point in time, I think he could be anywhere. But my preference, I think it would be kind of cool if he made his way back to CMLL. Um, I don't know if that's happening just because uh, I think what a lot of people don't realize is that when CMLL loses talent, they don't really replace it with other guys from other places. It usually ends up happening. What ends up happening is that they end up just replacing it with new talent that is that that was training there. So, you know, in the last couple of weeks, we're seeing like Cachorro, Lagunero, um, Blue Panther's youngest son, and Los Gemelos Diablo also um, scheduled for their debut. So you're starting to see those guys. Because right now, CML needs even more talent just because um, we don't even know what's happened with some of the guys who haven't shown up recently, like Fuego. Um, they could be gone completely just because the per- the pandemic hit them so hard, hit the business so hard, and they went back to their hometowns. Maybe they've kind of moved on from, you know, being professional wrestlers. Niebla Roja hasn't been around. I think he's been in for a few um, tapings, but he hasn't been around as much as he was previously because he's he's splitting his time living in the United States and Mexico again. So he's, he's got family in the United States. The other big news for, um, really, this is for all of wrestling, but it's more so in Me- all of wrestling in Mexico, but it's more so for, for CMLL is that um, fans are returning to Arena Mexico starting on May 21st. They actually announced a show for that, which actually even looks better than some of the, the, the pay-per-view shows that they showed over the past year. Um, they actually don't have i would say like it's possible that every single match on that show could be pretty good other than the women's match the one the women's match doesn't look as promising but everything else kind of looks really solid they're bringing in los gemelos diablos to debut on that show and then they'll be part of the copa dinastia the copa dinastia um that's coming up as well so they're they're starting to show some they're starting to bring in the fate the people that they were going to debut last year um I think it was Gemelos Diablo and Cachorro Lagunero who were the fir- the the three that were mentioned as possibly debuting la- um, last year. So they're kind of starting to come in for this year. I would guess whoever was scheduled to debut later last year will probably come in um, later this year or within the um, early 2022. Um, I know um, Efesto's son is one of the guys that was always being talked about. And then there's a one of the relatives of... Um, the Chavez brothers was also, I think, a cousin of theirs or a nephew was training in Mexico. So, and he was being talked about as somebody that was going to come in as well at some point. So, they're starting to they're starting to be some names um, being announced as far as um, new talent that's coming in. I, I think the one big concern CMLL has right now is that 
there's so many things that have gone wrong for them with the pandemic and the loss of this partnership with the Ring of Honor and the formation of Federacion Wrestling that you might see some guys who might see the, you know, the greener pastures mentality where they see that, you know, maybe it's not, maybe being in CML isn't the, all, all it's cracked up to be and they might actually end up um, leaving. I don't expect there to be a, a mass exodus of guys just because it, it's not, I don't, especially right now with the pandemic, there's really not a lot of work going uh, available for guys, but like maybe like a one or two guys I could see probably jump um, within the, you know, from this time to the, to the early start of Federacion wrestling. And with this new group being formed, that's, um, you know, being part of the whole triple A angle. I wouldn't be shocked if you see a couple of guys, maybe one or two guys, maybe decide that maybe they, they would rather be elsewhere. I hope this Federacion wrestling concept works. Um, there's too many signs of it being similar to Lucha Libre Elite and Nacion Lucha Libre where um, you're already kind of expecting it to fail, um, which is unfortunate because you kind of hope that it would do well just because um, it'd be kind of cool to have a third big promotion in, in Mexico with Lucha Libre just because it would give more guys more work, more opportunity, and you know maybe even like uh, you know reinvigorate some of the competitive nature of um, CMLL and some of the other um, promoters who kind of want to be um, a little bit more different. But for the most part, I, I, I kind of don't, I don't, their, the, their announcement, the way they announced their lineup and what they were doing, it just kind of seems like they didn't put a lot of thought into it. I mean, who does a Copa with a 20-man battle royal for their debut show? That seems just a little bit excessive. Um, I don't know. I just think it's not, I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm not as positive about it as maybe others might be, um, but hopefully it'll work out um, pretty much. Uh, whatever I said about Lucha Libre Elite or Nacion Lucha Libre or any other previous promotion that was um, formed with the with with the big, um, you know, they came up with big stories of, of what they were going to do and then um, big ideas and all the stuff that they were going to, a lot of ambitious ideas. Um, if If that's what you saw or you think is going on with them, and that's usually that's usually when you know they're going to fail because there's no way um, they're going to be able to catch up to, you know, CMLL pretty much is an established promotion um, that's been around for 80 plus years and they own their buildings. They, you know, they've weathered the good, the bad, and the ugly of professional wrestling. Um, AAA has been around. They're, they're always constantly having issues, but they've been around. They have a name and they've kind of been established for a very long time. It's going to be very difficult for a third promotion to succeed in Mexico um, just because, and then they also have to get TV. And for the most part, TV right now is very difficult. And I don't even know if it matters that much now because even if you get TV, so many people are switching over to, um, to uh, you know, cutting the cord and preferring to use, um, you know, streaming services uh, or even, even worse than streaming services, just using you sticking to Netflix and Hulu and Amazon Prime stuff of it like that. It's you know it, it's it's a very different um, atmosphere for these promotions. Like to me, I think they're they're probably when they kind of the timing I think was wrong, but I also thought that maybe there was there's a lot more talent for them available on the independents than say what what 
Lucha Libre Elite or Nacion Lucha Libre had to um, get at their point at that point in time, especially because they um, Nacion Lucha Libre didn't want to work with um, was basically on their own and they didn't have a relationship with AAA or CMLL, so they kind of lost all of that. And you know there wasn't as much independent talent available, and that was name value. You know that you could find independent talent that's available, but it's not name value. Whereas now it's like. You know, Federación Wrestling is bringing in Bandito now that he is Bandito and he's established name. When Elite had Bandito, Bandito was just a guy starting out and nobody really knew who he was. Um, very, very different time for timing. And um, so I kind of think that's the one thing I will say that Federación Wrestling has going for them. But, you know, honestly, the stuff that they were like, the the, the lineup and all the stuff that they're they're doing it's going to be an uphill battle for them to actually succeed and especially if Roosh isn't and Dragon Lee and some of the the, the more um, known names are going to be available every single time um, we don't know what that's what that might end up what might happen when when one of those guys isn't available will the same group of will the same amount of fans watching that one show where everybody's available watch a show where it's not everybody available because they're working a ring of honor show or they're working new japan or impact or indie shows in the united states um AEW or triple a um, we don't know what's going to happen with that so that's all for this um this week's episode again for more updates check out luchaworld.com for your latest news and information um, for added bonuses like the Lucha Classica podcast, um, Lucha Magazine write-up. And if you're into um, collecting video, um, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash luchaworld. Um, a lot of stuff on there for, for available for those. You know, if you want to sign up for a dollar, three dollars, five dollars, um, you have a lot of con- extra content available f- on there. And, you know, it, it also goes... It, uh, that the money from that also goes to um, pay for you know the other stuff that we do the the websites the 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 podcast feed if you're listening to this podcast on you know iTunes um, Apple Podcasts I, I'm so used to saying iTunes um, Apple Podcasts um, you know Stitcher uh, I'm trying to think all the other ones I don't even know the other ones you know you know all the other ones if you're listening to this podcast like that you're finding it via Podbean. And that is actually our um, the, the the host for the feed, for the podcast feed, and that 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 cover the 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 Patreon page covers the cost of that. Um, so again, those of you that are contributing to that, even if you do don't do it on a regularly regular basis, you do it once, twice, maybe you do it every couple of months. Um, we thank you for that. Um, even if you've done it in the past and haven't come back and done it again, we thank you for doing it. That. You know what you contributed helped keep this um, not only um, the, the 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 Lucha World podcast feed going, but you're also keeping LuchaWorld.com and RetroWrestling.com alive. Um, I also have the YouTube channel, uh, Retro Wrestling YouTube channel, um, where we you know you get this podcast available on there on YouTube, and you also get some Retro Wrestling reviews and other stuff, including my top ten list. Um, that I did for um, for Lucha World, I did it on in video for YouTube since a lot of people don't really particularly like to read nowadays. So uh, maybe they'd rather just listen to me tell them who the ten greatest so and sos are in Lucha Libre, be it 
um, luchadoras, um, tag teams, trios, and I will do a, a luchadoras list at some point. Um, just haven't really had the time to do it. Um, so again, everyone, thank you for um, your support, and uh, we will be back again with you soon.